Business Bros is your show, where small business professionals just like you come to tell their stories. This podcast is for those who understand the number one rule in business, which is to be of service to others. Learn how today's professionals generate leads, what's working on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of those who are out there doing the real work. And now let's welcome your hosts, Hernan Cias, the real estate bro with eXp Realty, the cloud-based brokerage where top producers reign, and James Cias, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, making sure you are covered because there's a lot riding out there. And now here are the business bros. Welcome to another episode of Business Bros. What up, ladies and gentlemen? Hernan Cias here, host of the Business Bros podcast, where we're helping you take control of your branding, your marketing by opening the door to podcasting. And we got a great show for you guys here today. Today's guest is a doctor, a CEO, an author, a world-class bodybuilder, and multimillionaire entrepreneur. He runs a fitness franchising uh, business. It's called Camp Transformation Center. It's got 110 locations and two different supplemental and and nutrition companies that he's running as well. He's helped over 100,000 people transform physically and mentally, and he specializes in helping people get to that top 1% in every aspect of his life, of their lives. Uh, I want to welcome to the show, without any further ado, ado, Dr. Sam Bakhtir. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me, brother. I appreciate your time and, and, and thank you for this opportunity. Of course, of course. Tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, people aspire to get to the top 1% of life. Um, I'm assuming you didn't walk into life in the top 1%? Not at all, man. You know, I was, uh, I was born in a third world country called Iran. And as you know, Iran always had some kind of conflicts. You know, we we're, were always at war with somebody. So at, at three years old, you know, my parents got separated. My mom, uh, my dad left to Canada. I never saw him again. And we, we started a war with Iraq. So, uh, so I was, you know, I was, I was raised with a single mom, you know, uh, you know, very, very modest, very modest income. She worked her butt off to be able to support me. And like I said, we're in war, you know, we saw everything for eight years. So at 11 years old, we picked up our one luggage, $500 in our name. And we moved to America, me, one luggage, $500 and my single mom. The land of opportunity. So mom busted her butt. Is that the, the driving factor that kind of gets you going? Usually people who are successful have something that fuels them. You know, yeah, I saw my mom's work ethic. My mom was always getting up and, and going out there, you know, making things happen. She was fearless. She didn't mind traveling, getting up in the morning, doing whatever she, she, she could. But the biggest thing came from having a chip on my shoulder because, you know, I didn't have a dad. And I saw other families that having a dad, they had a better life. They had, you know, they, you know, they have a nice house. You know, we live in the projects. They had, you know, the nice shoes, the nice clothes, and we didn't have that. Or they were able to take vacations. We were able to take vacations. I told myself that, you know, I want to become the super provider for my family. I want to become the dad that I never had. I want to be, be, able, to be able to provide things for my family that normal people have, you know. And so that was the driving force. I didn't want to, I didn't want to repeat the pattern of what my dad did. And, um, and, and here we are. Was it something where you like super excelled in school and you knew you were driven or you knew exactly what you wanted to do or did you kind of like have to figure that out along the way? I was always driven. You know, I was always driven. I always, you know, my mom told me a long time ago when I was a little kid, Sam, you can be anything you want as long as you were willing to put in the work. And I truly believe in that. To this day, I believe that. Anybody can do anything they want, but as long as they're willing to pay the price, willing to pay the work, doing the work. 
And so at a very young age, man, I didn't mind getting up earlier than everybody else. I didn't mind going to bed later than everybody else. I didn't mind doing the extra credit. I didn't mind, you know, you know, running an extra mile. I didn't mind doing an extra rep or doing an extra set. You know, I just did whatever it took. I, I was never the brightest person in school by far. I was never the strongest. I never had the best genetics in bodybuilding, but I became the best bodybuilder in history to have a weight, you know, you know first place title in every weight class, you know, even though nobody thought I could do it. You know, I wasn't, I, I didn't graduate valedictorian or nothing, but I am the most successful person that ever left the high school, you know. Um, so, you know, you don't need to have the talent. You just need to have your I can is better. It should be more than your IQ. Driven, driven, driven. So what time do you get up in the morning? Is this like something that, that you, like you always hear people who are successful, who are driven, they're like, you know, you, you get that whole sensation of I wake up at 3 a.m., I grind out, I only sleep for four hours a night, like, there it is. Same time, Monday through Friday, 3 a.m. And, and, I, and I do that by choice. Now, I don't have to do that. But I need to start my day. And I, I need to start my day. And, and I need to be, when I start my day, I need to be at peak performance. I need to be at peak state. So everybody has their own. Just because I do it at 3 a.m., that doesn't mean you have to do it. You have to figure out what works for you. You know, um, you know I, I like to get up at 3 a.m. I like to meditate. I like to read my goals. I like to be at the gym by 4 a.m. I like to work out for a couple of hours. You know, I would like to come home, eat a nice breakfast, take a shower, and, and, and get ready for the day. That's my, that's my reset. Mm -hmm. That's my reset. That's so what, That's what gets your mind in order to be productive. Absolutely. That, you, know, you, know, I, I, you, know, you have to have your, what I call a perfect day formula. A series of things that you do every single day for you to be at peak state, be ready to go. You know, just like a basketball player when they're in a free throw line, every basketball player has like a little different routine. They bounce the ball three times when they spin it this time. Everybody has their own little routine before they shoot it. And you have to have your own little routine before you shoot the day. You know, and, and, and I found what works, works for me. Now, I don't know what's going to work for you. Maybe you're not a morning person. doesn't matter. You, but you have to have a plan. The only thing is you have to have a winning plan. If you don't have the plan, you can't just ring it. Ah, what am I going to do today? Uh, am I going to work out? Um, what am I going to eat breakfast? And what am I going to do? No, you can't wing it. You can't wing life. You got to have a plan. You have to live life by design and not default. Mm, I love that design by de not default. Yeah. You're in, so it's easy to see why you ended up getting into the fitness space, right? So, I mean, obviously it's a lifestyle. It's not something you do for fun. It's something you do. It's just part of your everyday life. And you got into, into the, you know, franchising fitness places like how does how does one step into that and how do you end up with 110 locations where most people struggle to do one bro you know i wish i i, I had the mastermind i wish i was that smart you know to say you know to plan this all out everything happened kind of for me you know you know towards me you know i, I never planned it on a you know never sat down and had a business plan or or say oh I, one day when i do this i'm gonna make a franchise no none of that you know i first got into fitness because when i came to the united states they didn't, have, um, they didn't have a soccer team. 1985 in Sharon, Pennsylvania, when I first moved, they didn't have a soccer team. And I was, a, I was the only minority in school. I didn't speak English. And I, now I didn't have my first sport. So I tried out for the basketball team. I didn't make the basketball team. I was devastated. So I went to my mom, told my mom, I'm going to move back to my old country. I don't like this country. This country sucks. They don't have soccer. Nobody likes me. My mom said, you don't have that choice. Go to the boys club, practice and get better and try out next year. So I was going to the boys club to play basketball. After a month, I saw this guy coming from this room to the side. And these guys were all jacked. They all looked like, you know, Sylvester Sloan, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, those movies were hot back then. And I, I want to look like that. I want to look like that. So I started picking up the weights. 
And I started lifting I, I, and I fell in love with what, you know, weightlifting and, and bodybuilding did not only for me on the outside, but how it made me think, overcoming obstacles, overcoming adversity, you know, getting behind something that I'm uncomfortable with. It totally trained me for, for life, you know? And so have I not got cut or came to the United States, I would have never felt, felt bodybuilding. Have I not had bodybuilding, I would have never started my first gym. So I started my first gym in year 2000 and, um, you know, we're doing really good by my standards when I was in my twenties, you know, I was making 10, 15, 20 grand a month back then. And I thought I was balling, you know, and, uh, I thought that, you know, you know, nobody from Sharon, Pennsylvania make that kind of money. So I was balling, you know, I was doing good till the 2008 recession hit, you know, and I almost lost everything. And so I had to regroup and readjust. And instead of doing personal training, I started group training because it was more affordable for our clients. Next thing you know, the group training took off because people are getting better results. They were staying longer. Our overhead was cost because now we don't have, have one trainer with one client. And next thing you know, we got people such a great results that we, people started asking us to open up other gyms in different locations, which we did. After a while, when we had a few gyms, like you know, six or seven gyms in other locations, we got approached by someone, one of my clients that wanted to franchise. And that's when we like, by accident, I'm like, what is the franchise? You know, and we were actually, we started franchising and here we are today, 120 locations and international franchises and two supplement companies. Well, I love the, I love the, the humbleness that you have there where it, it was an accident, but honestly, you're, you're prepared. One of the things that I really like about fitness is, you know, there's people who go to the gym for two hours a day and show zero results. And there's people who go to the gym for 45 minutes a day and show tremendous results. And I think it always comes down to, you know, when you talk about lifting the weights, it's not so much lifting the weights, it's pushing past that part where you're, where you feel like you can't do it anymore, where you feel like maybe I'm done and you still continue to push out another one or two reps that's where the change happens. And that, that's the, the biggest struggle in, in life for a lot of people. They go through their day and they get to the point where they're tired and they sit on the couch and they watch Netflix and time goes away and they don't, you know, and then they wonder why they're exactly where they are in life. It's because you didn't put that extra effort that passed that little uncomfort zone. So when you talk about it, you know, it just happened to me. No, you were prepared for it. You were in a position where people approached you because you had a product that was working. Tell me a little bit about, about pushing past that little, that little bit of being tired that, that when nobody, when, when you get cut, when you, what does that feel like? And what were you feeling? I mean, were you just Superman and didn't feel nothing? You knew you were going to be successful or how do you get past that? When I got cut from the basketball team, I cried three miles all the way home in the stone. You know, I literally cried. I was balling, you know, I was balling. I, I'm not, I'm not Superman. I'm not, I don't have any superpowers. I don't, I don't have any, but what, the only superpower I, I have is, uh, you know, I, 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 I won't quit. I won't quit. And if you don't quit and you just do something long enough, good things will happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You know, the problem is with many people is they want to hit a home run the first time. Now, I don't know much about, you know, baseball, but in baseball, I guess you get three, three strikes and you're out. In life, you get unlimited swings. You know, so as long as you're going, as long as you're going, you're going to hit one out of the park. You know, and that was, that, that's, that's the only thing, that's the only superpower I have. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm too stubborn to quit. You know, I'm, 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 that, I'm that Rocky Balboa type day. I get knocked down a hundred times and still get back up, still take a punch and go back down, take a punch and go back down. I just, I, I'm, I'm that guy, you know? And I think in life, if you're willing to take the hit, if you're willing to push past those being uncomfortable, you're going to be fine. I've learned in life that I'm most comfortable when I'm uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, I programmed myself that way. It wasn't easy at being, because guess what? Just like anybody else, man, not one time did I get up at three o'clock in the morning. Oh my God, I can't wait to jump out of bed and go in the cold weather and start out my car and go to the gym. No, not <laughs> one time did I ever like, I was looking forward to it. No, every single day I get up like, this shit sucks. 
You know, I get up to the class, Sam, you're a multi-millionaire. You got a pretty good body, man. Why don't you just sleep in a little bit? No, 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 no. I, you know, this is something that I do to, that, that I know is my success routine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so for me, you know, what's uncomfortable? Sitting down on the damn couch and watching TV. That's uncomfortable. Now, my wife loves watching TV. She likes Netflix. Now, I've learned to do that for her every once in a while. And I'll tell you right now, I'm most uncomfortable because I'm sitting on the couch like, man, I need to send some emails. I need to, I, I need to read a book. You know, I need to do something because I don't think this program is doing anything for my life. But just because it's my, it's my you know, wife's love language, I've learned to just like, okay, embrace it, even though I'm comfortable. I've learned to like, like love being uncomfortable, man. Being comfortable makes me, gives me anxiety. Gives me, you being comfortable, I feel like something is wrong. Being comfortable is like, oh my God, man, you know, I, I don't know, man. This is, this doesn't, because all my life was series of being uncomfortable. And after going through uncomfortable situations, I came out so much better at that. Mm-hmm. I've never came so much better out of being comfortable. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you do that with the wife because it makes me feel better. <laughs> I have times where I bring the laptop down and I'm sitting and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of watching TV with her, but not really so much. I'm still, I'm still getting caught up. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to make an effort to, uh, to be in that moment a little more. You know, you know to keep, to, I, I used to do that, but I'll, but here's what I, what I do. You know, I, I'm, I'm such a freak when it comes to time management now, you know, I'm such a freak when it comes to time management that I literally was like, look, I'm going to get so much crap done by four o'clock. Mm-hmm. I hit the office by seven, seven thirty to four o'clock. I work nonstop. And every second, there's no white spaces on the calendar, right? I get everything done. So by that, I'm like, look, I earned to kick back and hang out with the wife. See, you know, you know, I've earned it because I work like a machine until then. Now, have I been effing around all day and not getting anything done and be on Instagram or Facebook and all that and have all this stuff to do and not really accomplish anything that day? Then I will feel guilty sitting on the couch. But now, but now I I can with, with a clear conscience, like, dude, I crushed it today. I crushed it by four o'clock today. I've been up since three o'clock in the morning. I've worked nonstop till 4 p.m. Now I'm going to turn my damn phone off because my family deserves my attention. I love that. I love that. I mean, and, and it makes me feel a lot better because coronavirus is here. There's a lot of people who are in quarantine, who are sitting at home, who feel like they have all this extra time. I'm still up. I'm still up at 4.30 in the morning. I'm still, by the time my kids and my wife get up, I've already had four or five hours of solid work time. I've gotten so much accomplished. I'm, I'm doing a course right now to help people launch their podcast. Dude, I wrote the whole freaking course in like the last week and a half, just in that morning time, because I have, I have that time to be effective. And you're you know, your time. You're absolutely. Time. So, so I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that other people are doing are doing Thanks. the same thing. I'm like looking up to to mentors. Um, I want you to share uh, if you can a little bit. There's a lot of people who are um, their businesses are going to be stricken because of the closures because they're not allowed to open doors. My gym I can't go to in the morning because it's closed. I, I, um, all my gyms are shut down. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing because obviously you know, the bills don't stop coming. The overhead doesn't stop coming. Like, what are you doing to kind of curve that the best you can? Okay, so let me tell you what to do for this situation right here. And then I'm going to tell you what to do for the future. Okay, for in this situation right now, this is, the, this is the first time that, you know, in our lifetime, we've seen a pandemic. You know, in 2008, things happened, the, the, the global meltdown, because people were doing dumb things. Mm-hmm. You know, people like me were doing dumb things. I was buying a home with 100% financing, no money down, 80-20 loan, and I was over leveraging myself. That was me. That was me and so many Americans, right? So it, it was our responsibility. We signed it on the dotted line. 
we made a mistake and we made a mistake, you know, you got to pay the price for it. So I'm manned up. I paid the price for it. My house went to foreclosure. I was barely able to save the house. I was stressed out. You know, um, you know, you name it, you name it. My credit got shut down. We went from 800 to 550 literally overnight. So I, I made a mistake. I paid the price. I do the time. This nobody, no, nobody made, made a mistake here. This is a pandemic that happened to, unfortunately, to people. So we all have to help through, through it. So, um, my bad. No you, um, this, is a, this is a pandemic that happened. So everybody, everybody has to has, has to go through it, right? So, so here's what what we've done. We have to we, we have to shut out all of our gyms, right? And we, we don't have billions of dollars in the bank account to support 300 employees, you know, to be able to do it. So what we had to do is to, to, to make sure we preserve as much cash as possible. We don't know when we're going to open. So right away, you know, unfortunately, we had to lay some staff off. But we told them, we give them all the tools to get unemployment as a temporary layoff, to go get unemployment, to be able to stay on top of that. You know, we, you know, we, can't, you know, we can't generate revenue in the gym. So now we're offering online training for our clients to keep their memberships and do some online training. You know, we have to pivot. You have, you have to be creative. Times like this, you have to be, be able to be creative, you know. So you preserve cash, you know, and you have to be creative. So we preserve cash by, by, by doing that, by giving them tools to, to collect unemployment and to be able to go out there. We, we, we started online training. We, we still employ the few that we can to be able to provide a, provide a service. We pivot and we call all of our creditors, you know. You know, all of our landlords, we call them to ask for an extension. You know, we call all our creditors and let, let them know to work for us. And all of them understand. I mean, all of them understand. You know, they're saying, hey, look, look, you're not making this up. You know, you've been current, you know, for the past seven, eight years, you know, as far as your rent is concerned with us. We never had an issue collecting. Obviously, we understand. Uh, ask them, hey, can we get a two or three month deferment? You know, not that we're not going to pay you, but we're going to pay you when we start back up. And everybody's pretty understandable. Some of them are a little harder than others, but that's what we got to do. So you preserve cash. You call all your creditors, ask for extensions. You know, and and you come up with innovative way to still be able to generate revenue and keep your customers. So that's it. That's, so that's, that's, yeah, it sounded like basically you were proactive. You didn't sit back and wait for something to happen. You took action ahead of time. You're like, look, this is this is a situation. We're gonna make moves now. I literally sat down and come up with five things I needed to do. Five things. You know, it's, it's, it's in my office. Five things I needed to do to get through this poor time. You don't need a million things. You need five, you know, that's what, that's what the problem is. A lot of people try, oh, I, get, I need to do a million things and never get none, none of it done. Mm -hmm. Go to action plan, top five things you need to do, knock it out, right? And then as far as what to do for the next time, see, I wholeheartedly believe, as, as devastating as it is, and I want to always, you know, tell everybody who's listening to this or watching this, you know, if they lost anyone to coronavirus, I want to give them my deepest condolences and yeah, my deep, deepest sympathies. I don't want to be, you know, um, I don't want to come off as arrogant and, um, and, and not being uh, sensitive because that's not the case. But I also believe that God doesn't make mistakes, you know, and, and, and I believe that this was a God sent for us to slow down and understand how precious life is and to be able to pivot, readjust, and do whatever we need to do to go on after this. There are so many people that were in a dead-end job that didn't want to quit and now they're like, okay, maybe this was the best thing to happen. You know, there's so many people that were like, like you. Maybe you were procrastinating on your course prior to this. And now you're like, maybe I have some time. Maybe I might as well be proactive and get this course done. There's so many good things that will come out of this. I hardly believe that this was making, it's made me a better person. And for those people who weren't ready, you know, who weren't ready, you know, maybe, maybe they were too young during 2008. They weren't, because I, I wasn't born in, 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 the, in the 1940s Great Depression. 
I wasn't born, so I didn't know. So 2008 was my first time that there was an economic contraction, and it kicked my ass. I wasn't ready. I wasn't saving for it. I was over leveraged. You know, I, I, I was devastated. And so if you're, if you're on this thing right now, if this is your first time you're going through contraction and you're over leveraged, you didn't have any money, you're paying living paycheck to paycheck, then understand that economic contraction and these kind of devastation come every so often. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. It's, mm -hmm. it's just how life works. You know, history repeats itself. That's what we know. So learn from it. Don't live paycheck to paycheck. Have side hustles. Save. Live below, live below your means and be ready for the next contraction. That's all. That's absolutely true. And it, it's, it's funny how uh, I remember being 25 thinking, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be rich. Like this is, you know, starting my first business. This is going to be the easiest thing in the world. I don't understand why people take so long. And then you have to experience life for what it is. And when you have situations like this, um, it really shines a light on those things that you thought were hidden, that, that, that money may conceal, that fancy things may, 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 you know, cover whatever it is. But these types of things, like you, you, you start to see people that you work with, people that you're partnered with, people that you employ, their true colors as individuals and as people come out during this time. And you know, you, you when you're taking that proactive approach and laying people off, uh, my partners and I we're looking at our businesses doing the same thing. Like, it's not the easiest conversation to have, but when you give them the opportunity, you're you're basically saying, look, there's nothing I can do here. But if the sink, if the entire ship sinks. There's nothing for you to come, back, come to. back to. There's nothing to come back to. Exactly. You know, like, like I said, I'm not, I'm not Google or I'm not Apple. I don't have billions of dollars. I don't have billions of dollars. You know what I mean? You know, so, you know, we're, we're, we're a small business. You know, you know, we don't have so much cash reserve that we can keep people employed for, for, for a month and paying them without generating any revenue. You mm -hmm. know, we didn't, we didn't want to shut down. You know, we were forced to shut down and, and we have to abide by the laws of government and what we need and what's best for everyone in the world. So, you know, so we, we have to do what we have to do. In the meantime, Thank God we have an amazing, amazing country like America where there's unemployment, you know, there's help. You know, no, you know, nobody wants to go unemployment. Nobody wants to have that conversation. But we got to do what we got to do because this has never happened before, you know. And rather than like, you know, trying, you know, the biggest mistake I made in 2008 and not to react fast enough and thinking that I can, you know, the economy is not going to hit me, you know. And, you know, I didn't react fast enough. Oh, I got this economy, you know, I, I make my own economy. Forget it. No, no, no. It's going to happen. You know, and Warren Buffett said the biggest mistake you can make, you know, you know, in, in, in investing and, and, and in life is being too optimistic. You want to be an optimist, but you always want to err on the side of caution. Well, you, you know? have you have that mindset of abundance, though. You know what I mean? Like you, you literally just in, in listening to your conversation, listening to your story, where you came from, you're always trying to figure out a way that there's an opportunity out there. So you are optimistic and in your in your mindset. There's always an opportunity. If you if you just you know listen to my life, you know, and or anyone's life, not just mine, you know, anyone's life, you're gonna understand that the biggest devastations or setbacks were a stage for a huge comeback. As long as they didn't give up. As long as they didn't give up. If somebody gave up, then they give up, then God is not gonna bless you. You know, we, you know, God's testing you, God's not gonna bless you. Every setback is a God's way of testing you to see if you're worthy of his blessing later on. And if you quit, then you're not worthy for it. You know, so I look at this, I look at every economic, economic contraction, every, every devastation, you know, to, to, to look at it like, hey, man, what am I learning from this? What, where, is, where, 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 is the, uh, where, where is the opportunities? Look, when a boxer gets hit the first time in, in, straight, you know, you know, in the face, are they laughing? No, they're crying. They're like, oh, this shit sucks. Mm -hmm. This shit sucks, right? 
But when you see, have, do you watch a boxer sometime or MMA guy when they get hit clean on the jaw and they laugh and they look at the guy, shake their head like, yeah, that's a good hit. That's a good hit. Yeah. You know why? You know why they can do that? I bet you they didn't do that the first time they got hit. They cried and they hurt because they got hit a thousand times like that. And they, had, they recognized a good hit. And now when you've been in so many different difficult situations, like I have or anyone in the history who has, then when you see someone, you're like, hey, man, this is another setback. No big deal. I get through it and I'm going to come stronger because of it. It's just like another blow to the face. No big deal. I love, I love, you went, I love I how you went there because that, that was literally going to be my next question. There's people who got punched in the face this time who are, who are about to, you know, where they were riding high two weeks ago. And right now they're going to be thinking, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. You know what I mean? Like, and, and having that analogy is perfect. Like, this is not the end. This yeah. is a moment in time. And you're going to get past this moment in time and you're going to get stronger for it, but you have to get knocked down. Sometimes, sometimes you just trip and fall, but you got to get up and keep going. Do not quit. One thing I want your listeners, you know, to, to understand this is from 46 years of wisdom and 46 years of blood, sweat and tears, ulcers, panic attacks, you know, (laughs) uh, you know, foreclosures, bankruptcies, you know, whatever you want to call it, I've been through, okay, is this. Understand that when things are good, they're not always going to be good. And when things are bad, they're not always going to be bad. Mm-hmm. It's seasons. So you have to prepare for seasons. When going is good, it's not always going to be good. So don't live paycheck to paycheck. Don't make $20,000 a month and spend $20,000 a month. Don't make $50,000 a month and $50,000 a month because that one day might not dry up and you got to be ready for the, for, for, the, for the snow season or the winter time. And when it's winter time, don't go be so pessimistic and, and go, go to your shell and quit and say, oh, this sucks and I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do. Just know that if you keep going, you know, you know, the spring and summer is coming. You just have to be ready. You can't quit. Well, here, here's the other side of it. Um, when when there's a lot of people hurting, it's also one of the greatest, most abundant opportunities out there. There, this is where you know we're we're on the flip side of people losing their homes. Now you have prices at a at a more manageable point where people are not going to be able to survive this, and they were over leveraged and they're losing their businesses. Now you have an opportunity to come in and acquire something that you've dreamed about doing at a at a lower rate. You're able to if you if you have the cash reserves, if you've built up the uh, business experience, you can come in and help people get through these tough times and benefit from that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yep. I agree. 100%. So this is, this is definitely an opportunistic period. So I, I'm, for me, it's always been a perspective game. You know, like uh, one of the things I I always think about and my, my wife thinks I'm crazy, but when, when she leaves the house or, or, you know, she goes out with her friends or, or, you know, she goes out with the kids, I'm always thinking like, what if this is the last time I saw them? What if this was it? What if this was over? Like, what would be my next point of action? What would be my next plan? What's the next step? And I don't know why I think like that. I just do. I walk into a a crowded area. I'm like, where's the exits? Like I, I identify the next opportunity as much as possible. It's just the way my mind works. And, you know, it's not to say that I, that you don't care. It's not to say that you're waiting for people to mess up. It's not to say any of that. It's just you, the way you look at an opportunity, the way you look at a situation, you can look at it as a victim or you can look at it as a champion. And it doesn't matter where you're at. How you look at the situation is how you're going to overcome it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and if you study how fortunes are made, fortunes are not made when everything's going good. 
Filters are made when everything's going bad. And you know why? Because most people don't anticipate winter. Mm-hmm. Most people don't anticipate that most people don't delay gratification to save. Most people don't gratification, you know, delay gratification. Everyone wants this and they want that. And our economy is based on, on, on immediate gratification, microwave society. So for the person who can sit back and say, all right, man, so I need to wait for winter time. Winter is coming. Seasons are coming. There's not, it's, it's, history is going to come. And able to delay gratification and save for a rainy day is the person who's going to make fortunes when later on. It's that simple. And that's why most people, unfortunately, you know, need to learn delay gratification. We live in a society where, you know, you have an iPhone 10, you know, but that's not good enough. There's nothing wrong with it, but I need to go get the new one that's coming out. You're going to pay $1,000 for something that's not necessary. But you have, you know, 20 pairs of shoes, but you want to get the 25th one. You, or, or there's always something that you want to buy, something you want to do and all that kind of stuff. And you got to be happy within yourself. You got to be happy with who you are and not just, just be somebody who just wants to possess material. The sexiest thing I've learned in 46 years it's not the Lamborghini, it's not the Ferrari, it's not the mansion, it's not the watches, it's none of that. The sexiest thing is knowing that the whole world shut down right now and I'm going to be okay. Yes, and, I want, I, and, and I want somebody else to, I want everyone else to experience that. Here's the sexiest thing is peace of mind. Knowing that if everything goes crazy, everything goes sideways, you're going to be okay and, and your family is going to be okay. That wasn't the case in 2008 for me. That wasn't the case for me. I was devastated. I was devastated. I was depressed. I was devastated. I was questioning myself. I told myself I had all these regrets. Why didn't I save? Why wasn't I prepared? Why did I do that? But it was too late. It's no too late. You know what I mean? And I don't want anyone to feel regret. If you're that person right now, it is what it is. It's happened. I want you to learn from it. See, if you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s or whatever, and you can bounce back from this. Mm-hmm. You can't bounce from back this if you're 60, 65. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. So, so you know, it's okay to make a mistake, but it's not make okay to make the same mistake twice. Exactly. You have to learn. Every mistake is a lesson. If you didn't yeah. learn it, then that's a tragedy. That's on you. Yep, that's, that's a tragedy. A tragedy. Sam, I'm going to be very considerate of your time. Thank you very much for coming on the show with me today and sharing uh, sharing your story. Again, man, uh, you know, it's, it's very inspirational. You dropped some great gems of wisdom for people out there that are, that are, you know, got punched in the face that are going through it and that even are, are going to do well, you know, just to take advantage of the situation that's in front of them. So thank you again for coming on. I mean, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. And, and thank you for having me on this, man. And there's anything I can do for you, man. Please reach out to me. We'll do real quick. Um, if people want to get some online training to get, you know, to get moving at home, where can they go? So yeah, just you know, hit me up with a text. You, know, you can reach me directly at 909-200-4015. Or go to my Instagram, Sam Bakhtiar, S-A-M-B-A-K-H-T-I-A-R. Send me a DM and um, I- I'll send you all the links and everything that, that we can do. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Sam. You guys have a good one. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. That's all we got for you guys today. Peace. And we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you interested in being on the show? Are you looking to sell your home or have a business that needs insurance? Reach out to the Business Bros via email, businessbros at csfirst.com right now or click on the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And remember to subscribe and share the podcast with the business professionals who you think would benefit from the show. 